If you are sitting at home next to your radio, you're hearing the music faster than you are if you're in the hall. Listening for the secret. Searching for the sound. This is The Sound Podcast with Ira Haberman.
You've been listening to Marco Benevento, and do you want some magic from his record Benevento? Out today wherever you stream or buy music on Royal Potato Family Records. When you're a master craftsman, as Marco Benevento is, and have a wealth of tools at your disposal, as is also the case with Marco's extensive inventory of many different types of keyboards and synths, creating on a whim brilliant works of art is merely an exercise in timing and availability. With the world seemingly shut down, Marco indeed had the time, retreating back to his lair, his home studio, he wanted to create something entirely on his own, a masterwork of sorts, which displayed his wide influence but also could boil down into something uniquely Benevento. With the first volume of those efforts complete and out now, I decided it would be a good time to catch up with Marco and chat about this new album, Family, and more. Right off the top, this new record is just Benevento. Tell me about why you decided to name the record just your last name. Well, I guess mainly because it's just me playing everything. <laughs> I'm playing drums, I'm playing bass, uh, I'm playing guitar. And uh, and then there was also a thought of like, um, you know, kind of like a, like a nod to McCartney because he like made a record you know, the home studio, he just called it McCartney. And then he made McCartney too. And I basically have like enough material for, for two records. So I, I, I'm, you know, planning ahead. I was like, oh yeah, my next record will be Benevento too, because I have like so much music from the pandemic from being cooped up in this amazing spot here. Uh, um, the, the only other person is uh, Mamadubo Camera, right? That's the only other person, Mimo, on the record. Yeah, Mimo is the uh, only other guest on the record, and and he came over, um, and I recorded him outside. This is like right in the middle of the pandemic, and you know he even has like immunocompromised uh, situation going on, but he still came over anyway. And I recorded him outside in the in the backyard and ran a microphone out there, and he had all these African drums set up around him and uh and i had him on i had him on uh like three songs so but yeah yeah mainly it's me i i can tell already from where i see you right now you're not in fred short studios right that's not where you are right yeah. now yeah this is version 2.0 so it's uh, it's a little bigger and uh which is awesome uh i was i was wall to wall uh keyboards in the smaller studio next to the house and uh and it was just getting too tiny man and i had to do the move so i i i finished the uh garage this used to be a three-car garage wow that we never even used uh it was just filled with junk and wood and all sorts of tools and stuff and and a buddy of mine was just like dude you should just turn this space into your studio man i even have like studio b i have another room on through this glass on the other side so i i have i could have bands in here and and do more recording here which i'm and comfortably do it here versus uh the smaller space which is like oh excuse me uh yes yeah. well i was gonna ask i was gonna ask about that because the smaller space is where you recorded this record and it was probably the last thing well you said you have a second record but the last things that you recorded in that old space right Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and in the vinyl, there's a, a, a sort of collaged multi-picture uh, 
uh, picture of the of the studio, and it's like it looks insane. And it was like it was like it's like the perfect time to take a photo and have it actually be on an album because it, you could tell that it's about to explode. <laughs> uh, it's just like overwhelming to look at all the different stuff everywhere. Um, and even after I took everything out of that smaller space over there, the other outbuilding, uh, I took everything out and some friends went in there and they're like, whoa, there were windows in here. Like, like I just had keyboards across the windows and like, you know, I didn't have room for windows. I just put stuff over them. <laughs> uh, it must have been a great place to be trapped, though, during the quarantine. I mean, with all of your quote unquote friends, I mean, and your instruments, right? I mean, that must have been the impetus for you making the record was just being in that room day after day having time to to do stuff yeah it was i had a great quarantine experience i know a lot of my friends didn't you know uh especially the ones that were in the city you know they were like stuck they couldn't play their instruments for a while they couldn't go to their rehearsal space for a while they couldn't play in their apartment obviously and I was just like living the dream up in Woodstock here, uh, surrounded by our animals and our kids and my wife. And of course, all the instruments and of course, all the songs that I was working on, I could finally get to work on all the song ideas that I had that I kind of never could get to because I'm always like going to an airport and having to fly somewhere play somewhere and then come back and then I had three days at home and then I got to fly somewhere again. So it's like, it was really difficult to, to work. Uh, and I, and back before the pandemic, we had just did like a four or five month tour, like all over the country you know, and it, we even went to Japan and back and, and right before the pandem pandemic happened, I was like saying to my bandmates, I was like, man, I need like some time off. I'm like wiped. And I also want to like work on all this new stuff, you know, and, uh, and there we go. The pandemic happened and, and I actually, it was like, I need like two months off and I, I got two years off, mm -hmm. which is, which was really weird. And it was very, very hard to do, but, um, it was really great that I was able to, to work on all this stuff. And, and I was in an environment where, you know, there was nobody below me. There was nobody above me. You know, it was like I was, you know, out here in the woods, just uh, just be being very productive, actually. You said that you had a whole bunch of ideas. I'm curious about those ideas, because I know a typical singer songwriter will uh, take his phone or, or record some licks on his phone or jot down some some ideas in notes, you know, so that they have some song ideas. But you really do this very organically in your studio. And I don't know how much, how much do you have when you start? Like when you sit down in the studio and say, I want to work on Winter Rose, how much of Winter Rose do you have in your head or how much is written down, et cetera? Uh, a lot of like the way, a lot of the, uh, my process uh, typically tends to be um, you know, turn on a drum machine, find the right tempo, you know, send it through some EQs and some, some stuff to make it sound as good as I want it to sound. So I got my drum machines going and then I'll get like a keyboard sound going and I'll record like drum machine and keyboards and I'll just, I'll just sort of improvise, you know, and like come up with like some chords that I like. And if I wind up 
uh, on like some chords that that are kind of like you know inspiring me i'll kind of stick that stick at it and then i'll i'll play it and then i'll kind of come back to the computer and maybe make a, a big loop of it and then i'll maybe add some bass and then just see what sort of vocal thing might come over it and then and then i'll take it from there and then i'll and then i'll like uh and then i'll step away from it for a while actually which i feel like is a good thing i'll i'll like upload it to to you know soundcloud i like using soundcloud to upload all sorts of demos and um and um you know and then like you know put it put on the demo put on my song idea as i'm like driving to town to go shopping or something and then i i kind of notice something or i might hear something in my head that could be in another part and then i take it from there and then i basically do that with every song it's kind of you know kind of a slow organic process um but mainly i start with like rhythm and tempo and and synthesizers or, or piano and kind of just get like a color and 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 then then i'll wind up with like 20 or 30 ideas and they'll be like and i'll write a list and make some notes and i'll and i'll write you know top five you know next yeah. to the ones that i really like and then kind of work on those um you know a little more how do you how do you determine is it just a sense thing when you determine i'm gonna play fender here or i'm gonna play piano here like how do you is that something that you hear consciously is it something that the melody calls for i, I know we're getting deep in the woods here but but i'm curious about that process because as somebody who's a fan of your work i'm curious about the 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 music the the instrument selection especially when it comes to your bailiwick piano right right yeah i mean my axe is the piano and i love the sound of the piano i can put two hands on the piano and i could i could cover a lot of ground you know 88 keys i got arpeggios i could play a lot and the piano the piano has a certain mood and a certain color about it and sometimes if i'm playing with the drum machine and i play piano it might it might not fit for me it might sound like you know oil and water it might not be mixing for me and you know some some sounds of some drum machines lead me to like a synthesizer versus the piano or uh, some drum machines might lead me over to the Wurlitzer or the or the Fender Rhodes instead um, I guess it really just depends on the mood you know like it depends on the vibe like for example Winter Rose that's an old Roland drum machine, a 505. And there was something about that that brought out like this sort of synthy, 80s synthy sort of sound. So I was drawn towards this other Roland keyboard I have to sort of play along with it because I was feeling like an 80, almost like 80s vibe. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll be playing along to a drum loop that is more funky 70s vibe that might let lead me over to the roads um every keyboard sort of has a has a little bit of a, a function i feel like you know the the roads really brings out this sort of funky uh you know almost like uh like herbie hancock-esque you know yeah. uh chords and things like that and and the the whirly takes me a little bit like back to the 60s where I'm feeling more like funky in a soulful way. And the whirly has a color like that to me. 
the piano is almost like my I play piano every day all the time, but it's almost like my last go to uh, as far as writing music goes. I don't it, it's uh, it's kind of interesting how that's the case, because this is my favorite uh, keyboard of all the keyboards here. But uh, and I'm looking down because it's right. It's right. Yeah. There. yeah. But um, but, you know, the piano is like, uh, you know, it's like moody, you know, I mean, yeah, it can work with anything. It can work with hip hop. It can work with funk or with soul. It works with anything. But there's something about the sound of the piano that sometimes takes your ear in another direction, which is really great for some songs, but sometimes it's not fitting, you know, it's like a, a round peg through a square hole kind of vibe. But, uh, you know, and then I have a clavinet, I have an organ, I have a mellotron, and they're all, they all come up, they all, their personalities kind of come through, uh, you know, like, uh, do you want some magic, that, that song on the record, there's like, I had a last minute decision to add the organ to it. And it really, it sort of changes this whole sound of the song for me yeah. in a bit, in a bit of a way. It's kind of like this industrial sounding song, like almost like can or noi or like this like repetitious sort of songwriting element, but then you add the organ to it and it almost sounds like, you know, all of a sudden your head turns and you're like, Oh, it sounds like funky jammy or like, or like Emma Modesky Martin and Wood or something, or like, uh, you know, Steve Miller band, like Fly Like an Eagle, when you hear like that organ, it's kind of like, it just changes your whole thing, which is cool, you know? Yeah, I mean, the whole record has so many different influences. You know, there's Afro-Caribbean, there's Psychedelia. This is all stuff that's obviously stored up in a big brain somewhere, and that can be, you know, repeated when when called upon, right? I mean, all of these influences are are your own obviously natural influences that you just bring to bear. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big vinyl collector and I love listening to uh, West African music, uh, Francis Bebe, Kiki Guyan and William Anyabar. And I, I really love that style of, of African music, kind of like late seventies to early eighties sound where it's like some of the songs are just 12 minutes and it's just like, uh, you know, one kind of big loop with like some singing, some keyboard solos. And uh, yeah, a lot of the, uh, you know, being that it was just me in the studio, it's like, it's, uh, you know, yeah, there's like on a lot of the songs on the record, it's like there's a Moog solo and then there's like a piano solo and then there's another synth solo. There's like three, there's like three uh, different colorful keyboard solos in, in one song. And, uh, and, you know, after making this record and working on it for a while, I thought like, I was almost doubtful about putting it out. I was like, oh, wow, this just sounds like me messing around in my studio on like every piece of gear I have, you know, is it even worth putting out this album? Like, cause it's just kind of experimental. Uh, and, you know, after listening to it for a while and talking to like friends about it, they were like, oh man, like you don't have an experimental record out yet. Like I yeah. thought you would. And I was like, wow, that's right. I, I, ha I don't have a, a weird one. That's just all me. And, and, and lo and behold, it's coming out on Friday. It's, and it's, um, it's all you. The lyrics, though, are uh, with a new collaborator, Al Howard, who's a yeah. San Diego-based poet. How did you hook up with Al? And, and what did he send you for, for inspiration and for usage? I met Al at High Sierra Music Festival out in California in like 2002, like 20 years ago. Um, and he was like the one 
like African-American dude at the festival. <laughs> and like, he was walking around with a skinny dude with like black frame glasses and like had a notepad. And he was just friends with all my friends uh, that I knew out there and was writing down stuff all the time. And he was always just kind of, you know, back of my mind, like cool guy I met at the festival. And my buddy, Nathan Moore, who plays in Surprising Mr. Davis uh, with me, he, he reached out during the pandemic and he said, hey, our buddy Al is like being very productive during this pandemic. And he's like writing two songs a day and putting them out on like Bandcamp and just trying to, you know, make a living. And also he just was inspired to write a lot. And he said, if you ever need any, Nathan was like, it could be a cool uh, collaboration. You know, you should ask him for some lyrics. And I was kind of at, at my wits end with my own lyrics for these songs. And I said, well, you know, why the hell not? I should, I'll reach out to him and see if I could squeeze in some of his words and in these songs, maybe it'll help me sort of finish. Cause that's, that's what happens to me. I basically have the whole song done and then I'm searching for words and searching for a story and figuring out what, what it's going to be. So it's like 90, in my mind, 90% of the song is done and I just need the, the 10% of the lyrics and everything. I mean, even the melody is there, but I need the words. And as soon as Al sent me, Al sent me like seven or eight different sheets of, of, uh, you know, of poetry, of song ideas, of word ideas. And it was like, it was like a light went off in my head. It was like, oh, this is going to be great. Like, cause I could use my sentence here and then use his two there. And then I could repeat his two at the end. And, and that'll be a good for a third verse. Cause I don't have a third verse and I could just use his first verse as my third verse, you know, kind of thing. It was really, it was really cool to, uh, to collaborate with someone like that. And then he, I was like, dude, send me more, man. This is really fun. Um, you know, uh, you know, I used uh, a lot of my own words too. It's kind of like a 50, 50 thing. Right. Uh, but it, he really sort of kind of got me to, to finish it. His lyrics really helped me uh, be able to finish it, which is really cool. So the record comes out Friday and then the plan is uh, between your other gig and your solo stuff to sort of tour this around a bit. And then, and then, you know, when you're not on J rad tour sort of this summer, fill, fill in with Benevento or Benevento band-aids. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. It's hard because J rad's very busy this year. Uh, so I, any little moment I have off, I, I definitely am getting in the van and going out with Karina and DB and, and, and hitting the road and trying to play some shows. We're, this month we're going out to Electric Forest and we're playing there and we're also, so we're doing a tour out to Michigan and back. So we'll be in like Cleveland and Pittsburgh, uh, Rochester and a few other places. Um, and hopefully uh, in the fall, we'll go out west. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to be busy promoting the record as well. Um, I want to touch on something that we talked about uh, just off the top, um, how rewarding it is to get your daughter involved in music and, and your family involved in music. Um, we talked about her joining you on stage at the J-Rad show and her singing with you. I've just seen a face. Um, I'm curious about how important it is uh, for them to be uh, involved, not necessarily as a career at this point, obviously, because they're little, but just understanding music and understanding what dad does and, and sort of having a sense of art. Uh, how important is that to you as a father? 
it's important and uh but it's also important for me not to push it on them and it's also important for me to to realize when like if they just don't like it or if they're you know and i i always felt like that and i always wanted to be like hey check this out you know or not you know mm-hmm. uh, i i always because you know that's that's the worst thing when a parent keeps on pushing stuff on you and you're like you know what now i really don't like it because you're you're making me do it so i always i wanted to sort of tread lightly and 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 see what would happen and then during the pandemic uh when we were all locked up here it was kind of like their piano teacher couldn't come over and teach them and i was like well i could i could just show you guys some stuff if you want to learn some stuff and and then they kind of like took piano lessons with me and then and then i then i saw him kind of get into it so i, I kind of pushed him a little to learn some some stuff and really and they they got into it and then uh like the world started opening up a little bit and they kind of stopped doing it as much and then what was really cool was that they started asking me like our, our oldest daughter ruby she's 15 she loves like jazz she loves like French music. She loves like classical music. She also loves Harry Styles and Mitski <laughs> and all sorts of other pop music. But she likes, she has like a sophisticated ear in this in this weird way. And she'll she'll play me this like Chet Baker song with a cool piano intro and say, Dad, I want to learn that. And I'll and I'll like learn it and, and teach it to her. And she'll learn the first four or five bars and then maybe be over it but she you know she's into it because she likes the sound of it so it's cool because now they're coming to me with questions and now are are, they're coming to me with song ideas that they want to learn which is which is cool to see instead of like you know rolling their eyes about having to learn a song or having to take a piano lesson and i'm i'm not having them read music i'm just sort of just putting their hands on the piano and just teaching them chords and letting them know that songs can just have three or four chords or one or two chords and it could be a song you know just trying to demystify uh music for for them so it doesn't seem like it's so confusing or, or difficult um but yeah and now you know isla our youngest daughter is in in rock academy you know school of rock kind of thing and she literally just did a grateful dead show like a week before the the um the the J-Rad to our J-Rad shows out in Colorado. And so she she sang and played keys on some dead tunes. <laughs> and uh it's cool. I mean there's a there's a good musical community up here, you know, like and like Chris Robinson's kid is up here. Uh her name is Cheyenne and she's really good friends with Isla and they jam uh you know they like play at Rock Academy and there's there's a lot of like moms and dads that are into music up here that are good, you know, and it's just like, you know, she's used to being on stage uh, and they're both used to, you know, holding a microphone and hearing it out of a monitor, you know, like at that young of an age, which is yeah. cool. Cause I, I didn't, I didn't do that at that age really. Um, I did like a battle of the bands when I was like 15 or 16, but not 12, you know? Um, so it's cool. It's like, I'm curious to see what's going to become of it. Like they might, they might just be a hobby for them or they might get into it, but they understand music and they know chords and scales and things like that, which is cool to see them. Is Jay rad now going to have competition for the best grateful dead 
tribute band with with this <laughs> new uh school of rock out of uh out of uh oh yeah stock and most definitely yeah yeah, I might be out of a job, but then my kid will have a job. So, you can <laughs> dude, thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And like I said, those Colorado shows—it's—it's it's unbelievable to me. Like to watch the chatter after shows. That was the best J Rad show ever. That was the best. J- like after every show. But I have to tell you, I—I I don't know. I don't think it was. It must have been Friday night or third. I think Thursday night was. Yeah, you played Thursday night. It was just unbelievable like it's all it's all good uh i i don't have to tell you i'm sure you hear from everybody but uh-huh. thanks thanks for colorado and thanks for this record it's really cool to to put on and just listen to like so many funky things going on in arrangements and stuff so so thanks for the music dude and then we'll see you real soon yeah dude my pleasure thank you for having me always a significant treat to talk to someone like marco benevento For more on the new album, Benevento, and all things Marco, visit marcobenevento.com. Before we leave you, let's listen to another track off of Benevento. Here is Winter Rose.
You've been listening to The Sound Podcast. Technical production by Adam Karsh and Andrea Ruse. Inspired by the music we love. For more, visit thesoundpodcast.com.